Jesus, we live now between your first coming and, and your coming again. And, and we say, Jesus, come quickly. We offer you life in this broken world, and we call out to you in prayer to help us in the midst of this broken world that you would help us to be those people who carry the message of good news to a lost world. And Jesus, we long for the day when you will come to make all things new, to the praise of your glory and grace. Amen. Now, each week I've been asking people to help me, and some of you are afraid of the stage, so I'm going to come out to you this week. Uh, anybody like to be my um, helper this week? And I'm going to pick someone. Wow, okay, way over there. Hopefully it'll work in front of the microphone here, or in front of the speakers. Uh, you, you can stay there. Well, so first of all, what's your name? Ryan. Ryan. Okay, and Ryan, uh, who is one of your heroes? Wow, uh, my grandpa. Your grandpa. Okay, and why is your grandpa one of your heroes? Uh, he stayed with my grandmother while she had dementia and just like was with her until the end, so. Wow, that's a really special way to go. So Ryan, one more question. Uh, where do you believe history is headed and why? Uh, Jesus has come back to just make everything right again. Um, I believe that because the Bible says it. Wow, that's really good. Wow, thank you. No wonder he had his hand up there. That was a plant, so. Um, Maybe this week, you know, you heard something like, you know, they're having a climate summit and, or maybe news, maybe there's going to be war and people are all upset. What a great time to ask someone the question, where do you believe history is headed and why? Uh, so many opportunities to ask questions when we really are prepared to do that. And if someone asked me, uh, I couldn't respond any better than what, what Ryan said. As, I mean, someone said, Smiley, where do you believe history is headed? I believe that uh, Jesus is coming again to make all things new. Do you love the earth? Do you like being here? Do you? I do. Can you, you ever just dream what would it be like if everything we love about earth was true and suddenly all the things we don't like all of a sudden became untrue? I want you to know that's where history is headed. That's where history is headed. That's what we mean when we say that Jesus is coming again to make all things new. Now, we've been doing a series of messages called One Story because the, the Bible is one story. The one story of the Bible is the gospel. And uh, we've learned that this one story has four chapters. And we have two goals in this series. The first goal is that you would know and be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible. I want you to know it, have confidence in sharing it. And it's one story, but it has four chapters. We've looked at creation. We've looked at fall. We've looked at redemption. And now we get to chapter four. We're going to spend two weeks on consummation that Jesus is coming again to make all things new. Um, but secondly, I've been trying to develop, uh, trying to equip you to develop the skill of asking questions 
to open up gospel conversations. Uh, it's, Jesus would do that all the time. He would ask questions, and it would open up conversations. And I've been getting more emails this week than any other week, but I want hundreds of emails this week of questions that you're asking in, in the conversations. So I'm going to share a couple of those with you today. Here was one. Smiley, while out in the boat on a fishing trip with another guy, there is... While out in the boat on a fishing trip with another guy, there sometimes is opportunity for conversation. I ask my fishing buddy, whom I have known for a long time, who do you think Jesus is? Not really knowing what to expect from him because he's usually a quiet type, he pleasantly surprised me. He said, Jesus is God in human form. He came to earth in the form of a man so people could relate to God and see him in action as he goes about saving mankind from themselves. I told him, great answer. Then we discussed the ills of the world and why people need to get their act together with God if they plan on living a great life eternally after this one. Isn't that interesting? You can fish with someone for a long time, but until you ask them a question, you really don't know where they are. And so asking a question, and, and they had a great conversation that came out of that. And so that's why we want to learn the skill of asking good questions. So... Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 14, and we'll begin to unpack how Jesus is coming again to make all things new. But let me set this passage up a little bit for you. It's the last night. In a few hours, Jesus will be on the cross. Jesus has told his disciples that they're all going to run away. Peter says, no, not me. And Jesus says, yes, you too. Now we pick up the story. John 14, verse 1, do not <clears throat> let your... Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. <laughs> it's, it's the last night. You would think the disciples would be encouraging Jesus, right, and supporting him as he heads to the cross. But instead, Jesus is still encouraging. He's still supporting them because Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give, and he did it to the end. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it... If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. See, Jesus is about, he wants his disciples to know what's happening. He's going to prepare a place. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to die for our sins. He's going to rise on the third day. He's going to ascend into heaven. And he wants them to know why he's doing this, to prepare a place for them. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. See, that's what we're going to be learning about today. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And you know, you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Did you hear that in verses 2 and 3? In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. You ever, you ever just think about Jesus as preparing a place for you? And then he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is coming again. 
Jesus came the first time to seek and save the lost. Jesus is coming again. He's coming the second time to make all things new. I want you to know the return of Jesus Christ is one of the major doctrines in the New Testament. It's referred to over 300 times. One out of almost every 13 verses in the New Testament talk about the day, that day, his return. Actually, in the Bible, there's only two days. There's today and that day. And that today is always to be lived in light of, of that day. Uh, when is Jesus coming back? When? Soon, right? It, it's going to be soon. And, and why is he coming back? He's coming back to make all things new. And what that means is he's coming to restore us to that person and place we were made for. He's coming to restore us to that person and place we were made for. Do you know we were made for a person? We were made to do life with God. Do you know we were made for a place? Don't you long for that person? Don't you long for that place? See, here's the story. Here's the story. We learned chapter one, right? We learned chapter one of the story. We learned about creation, that God created everything from nothing, and it was very good. And in the beginning, there was a person and a place, right? God walked with man in paradise. Now, think, God didn't make us to be in heaven, did he? God made us what? To be where? On earth. And in the beginning of the story, there was a person and a place, and God walked with man on earth, and it was paradise. And, and paradise was, was really, really good, but it couldn't compare to the person who made paradise for us to enjoy. So in the beginning, there was a person and a place. And then we say, well, what happened? And so man sinned, and we learned the fall wrecked everything, and what that means is no person and no place. No person, no place, that's the effect of the fall. That when the fall happened, man was separated from God. The Bible says we died spiritually. Man had walked with God, now man hid from God. And isn't that why there's an emptiness inside of all of us? Because there's no, there's no person and no place. All of creation was wrecked by man's sin. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, so the fall resulted in no person, no place. Well, why doesn't God do something? Well, he has. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, right? And the moment we believe in Jesus, the moment we believe in Jesus, we are restored to the person we were created to have a relationship with. And once again, we get to do life with the person, with Jesus. We have the person in redemption, but we don't have what? We don't have the place. We're not in paradise, are we? Any of you think we're in paradise? So, so in redemption, we get the person, but not the place. Chapter 4, chapter 4, Jesus is coming again to make all things new. And once again, we'll have the person, we'll do eternity with Jesus, and we'll have the place we long for. And do you know where that place will be? Do you know where it will be? It will be on earth. Did you know that? We're not going to spend eternity out in the, the cloud somewhere. We're going to spend eternity on earth. Uh, many, many of you are doing the study. Uh, I know I was doing the study this week, and it was so good. And we just finished reading Revelation this week. And in Revelation, 
uh, we read about how heaven is going to come to earth and we're going to spend eternity on earth and not out in the clouds somewhere. Remember that in Revelation 21? Oh. <clears throat> Revelation 21, 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now, I want you to know heaven is where God dwells. So I saw new. It's not like in brand new. It's renewed, a new heaven and a new earth. It'll be like this one, but, but fully restored. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. I mean, like as a surfer, isn't that the worst nightmare ever? <laughs> in Revelation, the, the sea is about evil. There won't be any evil. And I saw... The holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her hand. Now, now, the bride of Christ is his church. Didn't Jesus say he was going to prepare what? A place, didn't he? And he said, now I'll receive you that where I am there you... So Jesus is bringing his bride to the place that he's prepared for her, and that's where? It's on earth. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. So for all of eternity, we will do life with the person we were created to be in relationship with. We'll do life with God. We'll do life with Jesus. And where will it be? It will be on earth. But what will be true of that place? And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You ever long for that? Don't we long for the place where there's no... Wouldn't you love to live on an earth with no tears? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. Listen, I hate death. I so look forward to being with Jesus, the person in that place where there's no more death. And there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Can you imagine an earth? There's no domestic violence. There's no rape. There's no war. All things new. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write for these words are faithful and true. So in chapter 4, once again, we will have the person and the place. We will spend eternity with Jesus on earth that's fully restored. Everything beautiful and wonderful will be there. Everything sad and broken will all of a sudden become untrue. So when we understand the whole story, the whole story, each of us must choose a person and place, a person and place of where we want to spend eternity. I have a, an illustration I've used before of the dot and the line, and I want you to look on the screen. You see a little dot? That's life here on earth. It's 10 years for some of us, and 70 years for some of us, and 90 years for some, and 110, but a really short time. And then I want you to notice the line. The line is forever and ever and ever because the Bible says that people are forever. And since we're forever, while we're on the dot, each of us gets to choose where and with whom we want to spend eternity because the person and the place go together. 
that if on the dot we choose heaven, then we get the person of Jesus and we get paradise too. We get a person and a place. But if we're on earth and we choose for eternity, if we choose hell, then we get no person or no place. And I know some of you, some of you say, well, well, Smiley, how could a loving God send anyone to hell forever? And, and I want you to know that, that's a good question, but I've got a better question for you. And the better question for you would be, how could a loving God send someone to heaven who doesn't want to be there? What? You see, Jesus came... Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus came so that we could live with him forever. And he sends us out to share with people, to say, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, and do life with him and do eternity with him and do life with him and eternity with him. And some people say, no, I don't want to do life with God. I don't want to do eternity with God. I want to do life my way. And in the end... God gives everyone exactly what they want. That the people who want to do life with Jesus, the people who want to do eternity with Jesus, they get to. And the people who don't want to do life with Jesus and don't want to do eternity with Jesus aren't forced to. Where do you want to spend eternity? Do you know you choose where you'll spend? You choose the person, you choose the place, choose Jesus. Here's another question for you. Is our default heaven or hell? And what I mean, if we do nothing, where do we end up? What is our default? Is our default heaven or hell? And I can assure you that in my conversations with people, most people I talk to think that our default is heaven. That if you do nothing, that's where you're going. Uh, and, and come on, when people die, everybody tell the people what? They're in a better place. Well, how do you know that? Um, and, and if there is a hell, only really bad people would go there like Hitler or someone, right? But the gospel teaches that our default is hell. And we have to make a conscient decision to have eternal life. Did you know that? L let me show you that now. This is really important because we're all forever. In Romans 6, 23, we read, For the wages of sin is death. The reason our default is hell is, here's the bad news, we all have a problem called sin. See the word there? The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You say, what is sin? Sin is a crime against God. We commit crimes against God in what we do do and say and think let's think about doing in your whole life in your whole life have you ever stolen anything have you man i have you know what that makes me what sinner. a sinner thank you it also makes me a thief very good and have you ever stolen anything we can sin in what we do we sin in what we say in your whole life have you ever told a lie have you ever told a lie man i have you know what that makes us what a liar, and, and we've committed a crime against God. It's not just lying, but <laughs> Jesus said that if you call someone like an idiot, <laughs> you're guilty before God. Do you drive? <laughs> Do you drive? 
I mean, have you ever yelled at someone when you're driving? Did you know that was a crime against God? We've all sinned against God in what we do and say and think. Oh, you ever been angry without cause? Or maybe, you know, you're jealous that someone else got the promotion or got to play when you thought you should. You ever been covetous or envious or jealous? We sin against God in what we do and say and think. That's why it says, for the wages of sin is death. And I think sometimes we don't understand God, that God is just. And God can't just wink at sin and pretend like it doesn't matter. No, no. Listen, God is just and he must punish sin, each and every sin that's ever been committed. And God says what we deserve for what we have done. For the wages of sin is death. Those of you who read through Revelation, it speaks about the second death. That Listen, Death is not simply physical death, the separation of our body and spirit from one another, but it's eternal death. That's the second death of separation of our body and spirit from God and from all good things forever. See, the bad news is very bad. Because we've sinned against God, what we deserve is hell, for the wages of sin is death. And sometimes people tell me, smiley, well, all I want is for God to give me what I deserve. And I'll say, no, no, you don't want what you deserve, but I've got some really good news for you. You can get what you don't deserve. Um, Don't you like good news? But it's only when we understand the bad we can understand the good. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Jesus, we can switch our default from heaven, from hell to heaven, from, from being eternal punishment to eternal life. Here's how. See Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is God, the Son who put on flesh and came to earth. And he came to save us from our sins. And the way he did this was by living a perfect life and then dying in our place. If you're checking out the Christian faith and you want to know what the God of the Bible is like, the best place to look is at the cross. If you want to know what God is like, look at the cross. And the cross, God declares that he is just. And what Jesus experienced is what we deserve for our sin, for the wages of sin is death. That's what the cross proclaims and that every sin will be punished. But the cross also declares God's love, that Jesus would take our place, that he would take sin and the wages of sin as death and die in our place so that sinners like you and me could be forgiven and live forever. So so Christ died for our sins, and then he rose, and he offers us eternal life. He offers us the opportunity to do life with him and for him, and to do eternity with him and for him, forever and ever in that perfect place. And our part, our part, Jesus made it so simple, didn't he? He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Our part is to believe in Jesus, is to realize that he is our only hope and to to trust in him alone for for our salvation. And and how do we do that? We love to say it's as simple as A, B, C, where we admit, believe, and commit. It starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And then we believe that that Jesus died on the cross and rose for us. And then we commit to him, trusting him as our Savior and trusting him as our Lord. If you've never put your trust in Christ, 
wouldn't you like to choose Jesus? Wouldn't you like to choose him as your person? Wouldn't you like to choose that perfect place to be with him forever? I'd like to give you that opportunity. Let's just take a moment. Let's all close our eyes. Listen, a, a life is a terrible thing to waste, and an eternity is, is far worse. If you've never... If you've never consciously chosen Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, won't you? Listen, we have to choose to believe in Jesus, won't you? I mean, he's here. Won't you admit to him, Jesus, I admit to you that I've sinned against you and, and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit to him, Jesus, I want you to come in and and be my Savior, and forgive me, and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Listen, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card and say, today I put my trust in Christ, or tell someone it'll make Jesus more real to you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. When we understand chapter 4, that Jesus is coming again to make all things new and we must choose a person and a place for, for, for eternity, we must believe in him. And then once we believe in him, it's important for us to understand that now we have the person, but not the place. Now, from now on, once we believe in Jesus, while we're on the dot, we're doing life with Jesus and for Jesus but we're not in paradise. But, but we look forward to chapter 4. We look forward to Jesus coming back, and then we'll have the person and the place. The person and the place. And when we understand chapter 4, the person and the place, um, then that will give us strength for today. Strength for today and, and bright hope for tomorrow. Um, strength for today, hope for tomorrow. I was... Um, this is a big book, isn't it? It's called Undaunted Courage. Gabriel Dinger gave it to me to read. It's almost 500 pages. It's called Undaunted Courage. It's the story of the Lewis and Clark expedition. The book's really interesting. It starts, uh, it starts in the White House that uh, Meriwether Lewis is good friends with President Thomas Jefferson. So it starts with Lewis, with a person, the president, in a place, the White House. And the president gave him a mission, and the mission was to see if there was a water passageway all the way to, to the Pacific. And so he gets his buddy William Clark, and they go down the Ohio and up the Missouri and through Indian Territory and over the Rockies and down the Columbia to the Pacific Ocean. And it was far harder than any of them imagined it would be. So now it's winter. It's January 1806, winter in Oregon. And it does what all the time it that's Oregon so it rains it's cold and it's rainy and now he knows how hard it will be because he's done it he knows how hard it's going to be to, to go up the, the Columbia River he knows how high the Rockies are now because people in the east couldn't imagine how high the rock he knew he knew all the Indian territory and how hostile they would be they were going through and so in that cabin in January, he began to imagine January 1st, 1807, being in the White House. 
with the president. You know what? what motivated him for the trip. You know what made him make provisions? It was a person and a place. It was a person and a place. January 1st, New Year's Day, I'm going to be in the White House, and I'm going to be with the President of the United States, and there's going to be a party and food and drink and celebration. And that's what motivated him. And when he was going against the current up the Columbia, that's what pushed him on when he was going over the Rockies. They were so, it was so hard. But he thought about the person and the place. And when they went through Indian territory, the person and the place. You know where Meriwether Lewis was on January 1st, 1807? He was in that place. And he was with that person. He was in the White House having the time of his life. Those of us who are Christians, we have the person, don't we? We get to do life with Jesus, but we're not in that place, are we? And that's why Jesus says to us, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you so. For I go to prepare a place for you. When life gets really, really hard, let's remember one day soon... We're in that place, right? No more tears, no more sorrow. One day soon, we're with Jesus. That's what keeps us going, right? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Oh, our hearts long for a person, Jesus, and a place, paradise, and one day soon it will be true. So don't give up. Don't give up. Understanding what Jesus has in store for us gives us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Know what else it does? It fills us with a real sense of purpose, don't we? I mean, when we understand that we've been saved from hell and we've been saved for eternal life, we began to think of all the people we know whose default is set on hell and they don't know it and they need someone to come and share with them the gospel and plead with them to come to faith in Christ. Um, and so that's why we're here on earth to carry out our mission of, uh, of rescuing people. And um, a week or so ago, I told you guys a story uh, about one of our members, Stephen Saprell, who flew to the Bahamas and, and, and he, rescued, um, he rescued a family from the Bahamas and and I uh, got to hear about an, someone else in our church, a student this week who had a chance to rescue people. See this picture here? We have uh, Joel Luteran. He's at the Nags Head for the East Coast Surfing Championship. And the wa wa waves were huge. And, and, and while he's there, he, he hears a, a, of a swimmer in the water in distress. And so he grabs his board and he paddles out and he helps him on his board and he, and he brings him in and rescues him. Way to go. Let's. And, and listen, this was all over the, the news, a, a great rescue. And what struck me was he's you know, not a professional rescuer, but he knows the ocean and he knows how to surf and he used his board. He didn't say, well, I'm not a professional. He heard of someone in need and he went out and he rescued him. And I want you to know there's tens of thousands of people all around us in our county who are lost and drowning. 
And that's why we've been doing this series, because I want to equip you with what you need to know and the skills you need to be able to paddle out to them and rescue them. That's why we've been doing this series so that you could know and, and, be, and, know and be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible, the gospel, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. I want you to know that so that you can have confidence. And listen, when you understand the story and people ask you questions, you're prepared to answer their questions. So you're sharing the gospel with someone and they say, well, if there is a God, if there is a God, why is there so much suffering in the world? And you go, yes, yes, I know, I know. And so you go back through the story you've learned, right? Listen, in the beginning, there was no surf suffering, right? See, with creation, God created everything out of nothing. It was good, no suffering. Then your friend's going to say what? Well, what happened? And you remember. Yes, that's right, the fall. The fall wrecked everything. That's why there's suffering in the world. The world's not the way God created it. And then your friend's going to say what? Well, why doesn't God do something? And you'll go, yes, I got this. Yes, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And then he's going to say, well, why doesn't he end suffering? Oh, that's chapter 4. One day he will. Don't you want to be there? You can. You can do it. And um, listen, so I'm, I want you to know and understand uh, the, the one story of the Bible, so you can share it confidently. But secondly, I've been trying to equip you to ask questions, to ask questions to open up gospel conversations. And um, so the question for this week that I want you to ask people is, um, ask someone this week, where do you believe history is headed? Uh, where do you believe history is headed? And I want you to know that I've gotten a few uh, emails this week, but my emails have not blown up, and I want it to blow up because what I want this week is when you ask someone the question, then you send me your story, okay? So I'm going to do something a little different this time. I'm going to ask you, and then you're going to ask me back, okay? And the question's on the board, so it won't be hard. So this week, I'm going to ask you, then you ask me back, okay? Where do you believe history is headed? Right, now you ask me. Why? <laughs> now ask me that question. Where do you think uh, history is headed? Thank you very much. That wasn't hard, wasn't it? Now I want all of you right where you are. I want you to turn to the person next to you. and Because once we do it, it'll be easier the next time. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just ask them the question, where do you believe that history is headed? And then you turn around and ask them the question back. Go ahead. Yes, you can do it. You can do it. Oh, I'm, I'm speaking to one lady this week. I'm speaking to one lady this week, and she says, but Smiley, I don't meet that many new people, and I know her. So I said, do you talk on the phone? She said, all the time. I said, when someone calls you on the phone, 
Why don't you ask them? You can do it on the phone. She says, I never thought of that. Listen, you can do it on the phone. You can text someone. You can email someone. Why not ask someone this week? Listen, this week, I mean, this past week with all these climate protests, what a perfect way. People are all upset about what's happening to the world. What a great way to ask someone. Where do you believe the Bible? Or where do you believe history is headed? And why? Listen, this week, when, when you're talking to someone, if they watch the news, they think the world is ending, right? Just ask them a question. Where do you believe history is headed and why? Um, you can do it. Um, here's one I got. Smiley, I told Angie, our hairdresser, that our church was doing a survey and asked her, why do you think Jesus came to earth? She hesitated for a while and then said, he came to save us from our sins. When I replied, yes, he came to seek and save the lost, she smiled and laughed. She said that was so obvious, and she hesitated because she thought she would, should answer with some deep theological answer. Isn't that a deep theological answer? Also, could you bring me four or five do-you-know booklets for my trip? Thanks, Mom. <laughs> it's Karen's mom. She lives with us, and she's about to go on a trip. And I'm so excited about this trip because mom loves Jesus. And mom loves people. And all you need to add to that is a little training and you have a marvelous rescuer. So I grabbed a handful of Do You Know booklets and, and I'm learning. I want you to know I'm on a disciple-making adventure just as much as you are. And usually I would have just taken them and given them to her. But I came home from work on Wednesday. Mom's small group meets on Wednesday night, but they weren't meeting that night. So it was just mom and me. And I said, Mom, here they are, but could I have 20 or 30 minutes to, to really share with you how, how to use it? And she said, sure. And it took an hour and a half. <laughs> it was one of the best times of my life. Um, so the first thing we did is, is I said, Mom, let's read it together. And then when we get through reading to it, then I'm going to read it to you. And then I want you to read it to me. And so I prayed for Mom, and then we read through it together. And I said, Mom, with pilots, you know, the hardest thing about flying is what? It's taking off and landing. And I said, exactly like that in sharing our faith, the two hardest parts are taking off and landing. I said, the reason we've spent the last eight weeks learning how to ask questions is asking questions is one of the best ways to get the plane off the ground and to launch a gospel conversation. She says, oh. And then I said, it's really important to know how to land the plane because often we get kind of nervous there. So we went to the landing part and says, does this make sense to you? And would you like to receive the free gift of eternal life? And then I read it to her and she read it back to me. And then she shared with me about all the people she was going to see on her trip. She's headed up north for months and she's got all these people lined up. And then I prayed for her. And it was the most amazing thing. And then I said, Mom, if, uh, if you have successes, like, would you email them to me? And if people ask you questions that you're not prepared for, email me or give me a call. I'd love to coach you up on that. And um, what a great time. So I know some of you are saying, well, Smiley, I'd love if you'd stop by and help me. You know what? 
I would have the time of my life helping you because I believe that you and you and you and you, you can rescue people. You really, really can. And listen, I can help you. We can help you. Um, that's, th- that's what I dream about. All of us say, man, with Jesus, I can do this. With Jesus, I can do this. And you can. So this week, this week, here's what we do. Just We're going to ask someone, uh, where do you think history is headed and why? And listen to them. And, and if they happen to ask you back, you share with them, right? Jesus is coming again to make all things new. And then if they say, could you, could, could you tell me more? Go ahead. Tell them more. You really, really can. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad we get to do life with you. And oh, how we long for that day when we're with you in paradise forever. Lord, when life gets really, really, really hard, help us to remember that. Help us to find strength for today and and hope for tomorrow. And Lord, as as we think about how many people around us uh, need you, Lord, this week as we go out, may we ask someone, may we ask many people, where do you think history is headed and why? And Lord, I pray that gospel conversations would spring up and people would come to know you. For we were made for you and we were made for a place. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.